Welcome to episode 70 of Reading Between the Reels. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're a new listener, we're so glad you found us. If you've been enjoying the show, please tell someone about us, send a tweet, post to Facebook, write a review in your favorite podcast catcher, or just recommend the show to a friend. I'm Craig Dickinson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Corey Heitschmidt, Justin Eldon. What's up, guys? How's it going? We're here. My man. Justin. <laughs> my man. Nice. And we're also- cool, but I'm going to try. Oh, no, perfect. not quite. We'll get there. Uh, we're also joined by a returning guest, friend of the show, Anthony King from Force Ghost Conversations. What's up, Anthony? I don't care how many demons he's fought and how many hells. He's never fought us, not us united. Thanks again for having me back on the show to talk about this epic movie. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we, uh, we're talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League, guys. It's, I was mentioning before we started recording, this is one of the movies that this is why we do the show. One of these movies. I love this movie so much. I, I think we're all pretty big fans of this film. Uh, so this this may be a little bit of a love fest, just a little bit. Uh, that's kind of what I'm getting. Uh, so actually, we'll just <laughs> we'll just jump in, Anthony. I'm gonna start with you. Overall thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League? Well, I, I'm not sure how you could really, in a succinct manner, <laughs> tell a, tell how much I love this movie. I mean, this was certainly a journey to get, and I'm thrilled that this film even exists because there's certainly a timeline where this movie doesn't exist. Um, I was one of those people that came out of the theater in BVS absolutely loving that movie and hoping to see more exactly like that. And I got on the train to, you know, I got so excited by the lead up to Justice League, of course, like hearing about all the casting, seeing the set photos, seeing the videos from the set, seeing that leaked video of Ben, you know, from his Twitter with uh, Deathstroke, uh, teasing that next film. I was all on board for the DC uh, extended universe at the time. And then, of course, as you find out, uh, Zach's unfortunate tragedy in the family with his daughter's suicide, um, him leaving the project, Joss Whedon coming on, the horrendous film that is 2017's Justice League and finding out more about the gross injustices that went on behind the scenes of that movie. That it's finally just, it's a journey up to this point. And I don't think I've ever in my life taken off work to watch a movie. But this was the one time in my life that I have take I took off two days. It came out on that Thursday, March 18th of 2021. I took off both days and at 3 a.m. I was I couldn't sleep that night. I I watched it exactly at 301 a.m. as soon as I was able to do so on HBO Max and I watched literally the sunrise as the sun was rising up on the other Justice League members at the end of this movie. Nice. So it's it's definitely a journey. It's 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 a labor of love. I was there about the hashtag release the Snyder Cut movement from the start. Um and have been supporting that and AFSP, uh, which go hand in hand in this movie. Um, so really, this is just an epic film, and I'm glad that it exists. Otherwise, I, I I would be still fighting for the cause and hoping to get this movie released. But again, it's out. It's it's glorious. It's four hours long. It's exactly everything I wanted it to be. Justin? Yeah, so I'm going to leave. Uh, I don't... Uh... <laughs> have the same passion no i really i really really love the movie um but i don't i don't that was that was beautifully said i got goosebumps uh <laughs> Thank i you. do love the movie and i'm so happy that we we do live in uh this timeline that does have the snyder cut because the 2017 justice league was just was just so sad so sad uh, i've said this probably a couple times on this podcast but many times to craig uh, I always get so hyped for DC movies. They they know how to make a trailer. Whoever's making those trailers, they know how to make a trailer. And then when the movie comes out, I'm always I'm always disappointed. I overhype myself, and maybe that's maybe that's partially my fault. 
Um, and Justice League was no exception. I, I went to go see it with my wife, and I remember coming out of that theater just being like, oh, darn it. They, they did it again. Um, <laughs> because I, I felt like they were trying to take the success that was the Avengers movie, and rather than building up to the Avengers movie, uh, they wanted to almost like launch the universe with the Justice League, even even though there are already uh, a fair amount of, I think it was four DCEU movies or maybe five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the fact that this came out and it was miles better and how different it was, because sometimes you see director's cuts or extended versions and you're like, oh, it's mostly the same. We got like two or three more scenes. And there's a couple of exceptions to that. This Lord of the Rings and uh, Batman vs Superman, like, vastly different movies but i think this one it it not only changed like the plot but it changed the characters it added characters like it removed characters that little russian family just completely gone was probably just died right off the bat in this universe i don't know <laughs> um no i great movie i have my criticisms but overall love it Corey. all right listen Listen to this. I'm telling you what, this <laughs> movie is brilliant. Zack Schneider put out a masterpiece. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, I went into the 2007 just like Anthony. I came out, I liked it. You know, it it had mistakes. It was two hours. It was not epically told. It was rushed. It was it, he threw in some campy jokes, you know, tried to make it an Avengers uh Marvel type humor. And I left thinking, and this is this is the thing. I love these movies, these DC movies, this lead up to this. And so I'm a fan. And so in doing so, I find it very hard to talk bad about a movie because I'm like, you know, I want more of these and there's more stories to tell. And you're going to have some good stories and some bad stories along the way, right? And as a fan base, I want to stay loyal there. But after watching the Schneider cut and then watching the the Whedon version, you you can't help but go, oh my gosh, I see exactly what happened here. And and I think I think that's the thing. I I took this very differently. I didn't just go back and rewatch this movie. I because I have HBO. I put on my internet. I put HBO's version. I had Justice League, Snyder cut, and then I had Whedon, Josh's version, right there at the same time. And I clicked play at the same time. And I would pause one, pause the other, and let the scenes catch up. And I'm going to tell you, there is a college course somewhere that could be taught with this about the decisions that these two directors made because you watch in history we've never had a movie come out hit the hit the fanfare and and take such hits and then they the fan drives it to say get Zack Snyder back in here to finish his trilogy he does it he makes it and the fan base still frothing at the mouth <laughs> for a more of him and and I got to admit the only thing problem with our universe that you guys are saying, hey, in some timeline this didn't happen, in this timeline it did. The problem with this timeline, we don't have the second one. That we don't have another one from Schneider. Justice League Two, Dark Side should be here. I should have the Nightmare movie. I should have a couple more Ben Affleck movies. I'm going to tell you that right now. And so I think when I watch this side by side, it becomes apparent about the struggle that you see. It is. A movie is not made or break, made or broken with just who the actor is, how they carried who you know who played Batman, Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot. It's not made or broken on them. The decisions the directors make are so apparent when you watch these side by side. Color, angle, 
conversation, slipping in uh, just just a different little bit extended cut of this version, bringing in some some more character building. All of that becomes apparent. And that's why I think somewhere along the line, and Craig, it may be you who has to go do this. You have to go teach this as a course, a college course. <laughs> Schneider cut versus Josh cut and have them side by side. It should be required watching. I mean, it's going to take a semester and a half to do it because it's you have to possible. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, that's what makes this so good is when you watch one as a fan, you fall in love with the Schneider cut. And there's even some things when I did this that made me appreciate the 2017 version. I was like, there's a few things in there. I was like, mm, I did like that. But still, I go back to Zack Schneider. This is his passion. This is him concluding his trilogy, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, and then coming in with the Justice League. It was, it makes those three absolutely breathtaking. The setup at the end of this one to where we could have had uh, Deathstroke. Lex Luthor set up for the next one, Dark Side. I mean, where he could have taken this, I need to go to that timeline. I need to switch because I think that would have been an absolute second brilliance that you could have just had that would surpass everything else for, for me as a fan. So we're not the prime timeline. Whichever timeline has <laughs> yeah. Justice League yeah. 2, that's the prime. We need to get yeah. there, guys. That's that's it's our the goal. sacred timeline. The Snyder timeline. <laughs> the Snyder timeline. Mm -hmm. The yep, whole yep. timeline. Where? Yep. Someone call Zach. Where's the yeah, only yeah. difference? <laughs> <laughs> I got to take a beat. Uh, yeah, I just want to echo pretty much everything you guys have said. And and I think that we also have to keep in mind, you know, COVID has a big part of how this movie gets made. I mean, because like HBO Max needed content like this. And and as much as I would love to say this is this is the cut we would have got theatrically in 2017. There's just no way. And and I'm fine with that because you know, I'm the guy that like I like you, Justin, you mentioned Lord of the Rings and the extended cuts. Like, give me more of that. Mm -hmm. I will yeah. I will take my time with that. I love the slow burn. I would I would have watched an eight-hour version of this film. But it's not, you know, it's not consumable in the theaters that way. Like this is perfect for home viewing, especially when you can't leave your house and all of those things. So this is kind of this confluence of events that has to happen for this to work. And I'm so glad that it that it did because I also I loved I you know I think it was Anthony you said you walked out of Batman v Superman you're like yes I love this movie like I didn't understand why 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 do people not like this movie I didn't understand that and then seeing the extended cut the three hour version like this is even better and more of that uh, and then you know the theatrical cut doesn't quite line up tonally there's some things that don't quite fit and then the way this one goes back to Batman v Superman and we see Superman's death from a different angle and the effect that it has. And it's like, this feels like such a natural connection. Like I could just watch this all together in one sitting. Like it's a mini series. All three of these movies fit so well together tonally and aesthetically. And I was just so happy to see it. And like this feels, that's the only way I can really say it. This feels like a natural extension of Batman v Superman. Wait, you said all three movies, the first one being Superman Man of Steel. A Man of Steel. Yeah, okay, yeah Man of Steel, it, BBS in this. Can I echo that, Craig? Because the when you watch them side by side, the beginning of Zack Schneider cut is the Superman's scream going out yeah, mm -hmm. and oh, tagging yeah. the mother boxes. Oh, yeah. And that the mother boxes activate, which gives them a reason to activate. The Kryptonian is dead. It's, yep. it's mystical. It's magical. It brings it in in such a strong, powerful way to connect back this is this this is the next chapter of this story not here's a new movie we brought our characters back right. and Zack Snyder does a great job of doing that 
The 2017 version, it's Batman on top of the building, and all of a sudden he's mm -hmm. investigating these these bugs that are fed on fear. Still, I will say that scene with Batman right there is absolutely incredible watching him swing around and doing yeah. that. It is very fun. And Ben Affleck's poses in that are incredible when he's using his grappling hook through through that. It's it's wonderful. Uh, but it, it doesn't quite have the same hit as an intro. It doesn't do the same thing that they're investigating uh, Lex Luthor's sketch drawings of craziness, you know, it turned Lex into a joker instead of mad maniacal man than uh, more than, than who he was. And so I, it wasn't the same. And so the buildup that Zach does and leads up and then, then we get the wonder woman intro uh, is so much better with this, with the death, just tying back to those movies. Mm -hmm. I, I do wish they would have found a way to incorporate um, that rooftop scene with with Batman where he's interrogating the criminal in order to get the, uh, what are they called now? The, the parademons? Parademon to yeah, talk. Yeah, the or... I, I would have liked to have kept that scene, yeah, we'll, maybe just not as an introduction. Yeah. Well, we'll like I said, if I wanted, at the end, I want to ask what are some things that we would have liked to have kept from that one. And that, that uh, there is some, some good, I think definitely in, in the Whedon cut. I, I want to say too, and this, I don't know where else to put this, but speaking of mother boxes, you know, there's, there's a deleted scene um, on the Wonder Woman Blu-ray that shows them they're about to go, you know, she's gone, but the rest of her team are going to go and they're going to go find a mother box. And, and it's not, it's not in the film. And that just annoys the crap out of me. It's like, what were you guys doing? You had this perfect post-credit scene that you could have seen. This movie would have been you know, released before Justice League that completely ties in to what you're going to do in the next film. And that, yet that doesn't happen. So it's like, there's just missteps all over missed opportunities. So I will say to that point, Craig, from what I've learned from the release, the Snyder Cut Twitter account is that there actually was a different post credit scene filmed for that movie, which was supposed to tie in more, which was them seeing from Hippolyta's point of view, like the mother, someone her getting an alert that the mother box is awoken done. And I'm like, ah! give me that. Give me the Jenkins cut. <laughs> Where's that version rather yes, than the, the crew at the end of that movie going to find the mother box which doesn't really line up with what happens in justice league where the germans find it <laughs> from world war ii well and i want to maybe it has yeah, something to do with streaming rights but I, f I feel like that would be some easy content creation and like an easy buck for a lot of these streaming services to just like release director cuts of these movies people already love so much yeah I'd, well I'd and they're doing that. they're doing that in a negative way i mean this that we're recording this on on june 7th and today was there was a, some stuff about french connection i don't know if you guys saw this um, that they're removing like what's supposedly, you know, offensive content, like some racial slurs or whatnot from, from a movie from the seventies. And like, it's not in there. It's not being, you know, uh, it's not being praised that it's in there. It's not, it's not supposed to be good, but things are being manipulated already. Mostly they're taking things out, <laughs> but why couldn't we start putting some of this stuff back in? you like, you already bought the digital copy of wonder woman. Hey, let's upload, you know, that scene. Some like, let's do that. Can we have that? Can we have more stuff instead of starting, you know, taking away things. Okay. They have the technology, but they have to, yet that, to do that. To that Sometimes. point too. I mean, might as well release David Ayer's Suicide Squad, the real oh, version. Please. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Which also lines up better with Justice League than yep. what was released in theaters. <laughs> yes. Is this a problem you think when studios do this uh, direction by committee? Because... Oh yeah. It seems like with Snyder, Snyder, I mean they told him he was dark. They told him and his his movie is darker. The the, the color, the lighting, we're going to get to the cinematography. It is darker. And maybe Josh went in there and was 
was told, here's what you're going to do. You're going to do some of these things and lighten it up a little bit. I mean, is it just by committee that they're doing these things? Because yeah, that's, that's what I've heard from from Affleck yeah. saying too that it's it was you know, it's like it a was really a lot of Jeff, Jeff Johns coming in there and and John Berg and the AT and T takeover really didn't help with that. <laughs> All and that thing so at the same time, was, it should serve as a warning. By, just influenced by the MCU in its existence, like they're absolutely. All that. They're just yep. That's why you hired Joss Whedon. MCU. Yeah. Yep. And okay. you, you don't want to replicate that. You need to come out with your own thing because you're you're not going to outdo the MCU. You need to find your own little group of people to appeal to and own style. And yeah. I think that's what Snyder did. Agreed. So let's start talking about what Snyder did uh, with cinematography. And Anthony, I'm going to come back to you for composition, color, camera work, just <laughs> a couple of things that you want to, I, this is my biggest section by far. So try and pick some, a couple of things that you want to talk about in, in that aspect. Yeah. I mean, this has my favorite Batman shot of ever of all time. That's where I really want to start with this. The, I love him being on the gargoyle when he's looking up at the, where when Gordon's looking up when they're on the rooftop there and uh, the Gotham police station with him, with the lightning going in the background, I could watch that on just a loop all day long. That was in the first trailer or the second trailer. I, I think the second trailer for justice league back in uh, 2016. And as soon as I, that I saw that shot, I was like, this is everything I've ever wanted from a Batman image. This is the dark Knight. This is everything I could ever want. Um, and of course, in the 2017 version for whatever reason that is messed up with some <laughs> cloth in the way, like they completely ruined oh, the right. shot. I have no idea what the thought process behind that one was rather than showing probably the coolest image of Batman I've ever seen in my life with Affleck in full form. <laughs> Then he does that great landing right onto the onto the um, onto the rooftop after that. I mean, golly gee, that's incredible. Um, composition. I mean, of course, it's a scenario film. It's going to be dark. There's dark tones and all that stuff all throughout the film. But of course, as the movie goes on and things you know start to change, it starts getting lighter and brighter. Of course, I think the Superman return is probably one of the the greatest moments where it, it shifts to being a more lighter. It takes place in the daytime, right? The the literally rising from the dead and all of that, which I think is is really cool. Um, and the camera work is, is, is really interesting. Again, I, I think, well, we can talk uh, to length about maybe you, you guys like the four, three format of this movie. I personally love it. I think that the IMAX format is, is perfect. <laughs> I would love to see it on the biggest screen possible, which I know people got to at SnyderCon um, a couple can weeks I ago. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah, go ahead. Why do you like that aspect ratio? I was trying to like brainstorm cause I'm sure somebody likes it. You might be that somebody. Um, um, I wow. like it. I mean, I do the, the black bars don't bother me. And the fact that I get the full screen image is, is incredible. Like, I don't know if you've seen the remastered BVS edition, um, that has incorporated the IMAX footage into that as well. Um, it's now the version that's available on max, um, mm -hmm. as yep. well as on the 4k if you buy it. Um, and I have the, the Blu-ray to compare it against to, And just the fact that you get so much more of the image in that, like if they were to crop out to a regular, whatever the 16 by nine, whatever it typically is for standard format widescreen, um, it would cut out so much of the image. And I, you know, just a fan of wanting to see the entire thing. It works for me. Um, it's never really bothered me to, to begin with. And um, I hope that more directors start to utilize that type of in the thing in the future. I know that, you know, uh, Disney has done it with the IMAX supported formats for the MCU films that they now have on Disney plus. Um, so it seems to be like, they're starting to incorporate it more, but Zach's really the one that's gone to the fullest of utilizing the as big of an IMAX screen as possible. I mean, I don't even know if there's a, a movie theater that 
that could really format it in the best case other than like a few IMAXs that are like <laughs> 200 feet or something like that. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, yeah, I, I love all this. I think Fabian Wagner's you know, cinematography work throughout this film is incredible. I and mean, fortunately, he's one of those people that had to work on both films. So he had uh, his work cut out for him, dealing with the both directors' styles in terms of cinematography and how their approach to, to filmmaking is. Um, but I think it, it overall works for me in the cinematography of all this. I think it's just an absolutely beautiful shot, uh, shot film. Uh, some other sequences, I love the Aquaman where the water is collapsing over him as he's jumping off um, once he's down that whole fifth of uh, of Jack. Um, yeah. The Superman, when he wears the black suit again, and the, the doors open up similar to the first flight sequence for Man of Steel. I, I, the most hope and optimism I've ever gotten from a single frame of footage is that one right there. Um, all that... I mean, I could talk forever about great, great moments of this movie and cinematography and how it plays off of that. So I'll, I'll pass the baton off. But that's kind of where my brain goes. Again, I want to highlight that Batman shot again because I love it. Yeah, I had that one, too. Justin, I'm going to go to you next. OK, I feel like this this always falls on me and I'm going to do it, guys. I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to be critical. I'm going to, I'm going to do say it. Critical things. Uh, again, overall, love the movie. So I feel like I have to nitpick just a little bit. But while this was a four hour movie. I feel like it could have been a two-hour movie if we just <gasps> didn't have so much slow-mo. It's only 24 minutes I was going to say, there's only a few, yeah. <laughs> I don't believe that number. I've read that number, and I don't believe it. It's uh, But 24 minutes of slow-mo is is too much. I understand doing it for The Flash because it's like it shows. Okay. Yep. I'm okay with that. But if, if everything... Okay, not everything. If 24 minutes is in slow-mo, it almost like takes the specialness out of what they're trying to do. Like you go slow-mo to show uh, like dramatic sequences. And it was, it was almost just like, okay, I'm not feeling the same emotional connection to this as maybe I should because of the slow-mo. Um, especially did you guys watch it with subtitles by chance? <clears throat> I did. Okay. So the ancient lamentations, <laughs> uh, anytime, anytime yeah. wonder woman showed up like, Oh my word. Ancient yeah. Lamentations with slow mo. I'm just like, please, what? please. Seventeen stop. times. Of, I think that that phrase is it. Comes Seventeen up. times. My word. I, believe, I think so. Um, <laughs> it, the, the frustrating part about that is like she already has an amazing theme. You could yeah. just use that more often. Everyone well, it's the beginning that of that theme. Yeah, it's uh, just it's. I, hate, it up. I don't like it. Anyway, I was going to get to that for sound, but it's okay. It's perfect time because you do see it on the subtitles. <laughs> oh, I get to oh, that yeah. sound. I got that. Yeah, too. Yeah, and every time subtitles, Ancient Lamentation. I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> um. But I, I will agree with Anthony. Like there were so many Batman scenes, uh, especially like you said, the one where he's up on that gargoyle, where it is just, I love that Batman so much. It is, it is, in my opinion, the best looking movie Batman we've ever, we've ever gotten by a mile. Um, just the costume, the way it interacts with the light, um, the way Ben Affleck fills that suit out. Like he is, he's a big dude. Um, and then it, it, it almost, it just, it just works so well in contrast with the other suits as well, because they're all kind of dark themed, but his, his particularly just, like I said, the way it, the way it hits the light and the way it sets a scene, like almost every time Batman walks into a scene, you can feel it. It just kind of like gets a little bit darker tonally and, and, uh, optically, I suppose. But, um, and then, yeah, everything Anthony said, just. It's it's Zack Snyder. It's going to be a dark, gritty movie. 
kind of have to go into that expecting it. And the dialogue, I feel like in the Snyder version fits that dark theme quite a bit more than Whedon's like campy humor, which is, it has its time and its place, but it didn't, it didn't fit the color palette of the movie as much. Corey. Yeah. I mean, I, okay. So I think for composition, we all know Schneider's got a very different set of color and tone on it. The story itself is darker, not just the theme, but the story, the plot is darker. There is no, there is not nearly, I don't even remember if there's as many punchlines or little things that do, but I will say Schneider does a brilliant job of making some things pay off and with the slow-mo to do that. We'll talk about that, but the color, the tone, the darkness, but I think the other part is uh, Snyder brings in a lot more, like there's blood in here in the Snyder version that you don't get in Josh's version. And the, the bank robbery scene in the very beginning. Yep. Wonder Woman flicks a guy across the room into a oh, wall yeah. <laughs> and his head splatters into the wall and there's a stain yeah. on the wall in the Snyder version. Mm-hmm. The guy comes up, grabs that rifle, and he's going to shoot all the hostages after she blows up the briefcase. Those and right behind are- him, you see the splatter on the wall in, jo- yep. in Zach's version. Josh's version, it's not there. It is. They didn't put that in there. They covered it up or, you know, or it's it's we're not going to go there. We're not going to make that darkness. And then in Zach's version, you see her blow that whole side of the building out and the the rubble hits the the cops down below, you know, as she as she kind of has to execute the guy. In Josh's version, we just fade to white, you know. Yep. Oh, and then we go to the next scene. And so it there's a choice here. There's a choice in I'm trying to make this. I know what happened, but I'm just going to allude to it. I don't want to show my heroes being executioners. And in Zach's version, my heroes have to. You know, I mean, this is the guy who Superman had to snap Zod's neck. Batman was about to spear Superman. I mean, so this is gritty. This is dark. You know that in your composition and your and what you're making in your movie. So, uh, and I think you go to the one thing in color that stands out to me the most between the two versions in the Batcave when they're all talking about to bring back soups. Batman is wearing a black shirt in Zack Snyder's version, and in Joss's, it's a white shirt and mm-hmm. it's a tie. Very different. And they're having their conversations and they're doing all this, but it that is not a we were able to change the color digitally. It's entirely different conversations. It's entirely different. And they do it on the plane coming back from Aquaman. They have an entirely different conversation between Alfred and Batman. And so mm-hmm. in some of this, I don't believe that it had to have all been we brought them back and did some reshoots. Cause I don't think they reshot all of that. I think it had to be Zach put in. So many different things that, okay, I could take the story here. I could take the story here. He must have. And then Josh used some of it. But the tone and the conversations and the color make those scenes so different with what the directors do. And then my last thing I'm going to say for camera work, this movie absolutely, Schneider League, uh, Schneider's Justice League sets up hero shots for these guys in the most magical way. Every single one of these characters gets a hero shot and even side characters get a hero shot where there's some slow-mos, there's some poses. Batman, of all the Batman movies, I don't care whether people are like, oh, I don't like Batflick or I don't, you know, Keaton's my man or, you know, or, or Christian Bale. 
if you get this Batman pose on any of your favorite Batmans, you'll sing all day long because how great that is. The the poses that Zack Schneider gives him, and when Batman descends on his grappling hook everywhere, flying on his grappling hook, those are beautiful shots that he does. So uh, this movie just does an amazing job setting that up, giving each one uh, extra time. And some of the, Justin, uh, I'm going to tell you, some of the extra time in the movie, there's entire conversations where I had to pause the 17, 2017 version and just, it was a good, huge three, four minute edition of conversation and comments. And in the soups where they're bringing Superman back, they walk through that entire Superman uh, ship and you see all the Superman suits coming out and do that. Josh Ween's version, they just like walk into the cave and, oh, look at this. This is amazing. You know, and they yep. skip all that. And that's a good 45 seconds of extra stuff. So it, they do that camera work adds some of that. But yes, there is a lot of snow motion. So many good things. So I'm, I'm just going to pick out uh, just a couple things that I don't think you guys have talked about yet. Um, but I do want to go back to that conversation about bringing soups back because to me, that's one of, that was one of the key things that was very different in, in this version, in the Snyder version. But first off, I mean, you have the rotating camera and I've seen how they do it, which is amazing. So you just said that can pan that circle pan. It's completely following them all the way around. But it, I think it feels much more like it's a group decision because they keep focusing on everybody. Like that's the point of that scene. Whereas in the, the, you know, the theatrical version, it's like, it's all Batman and he's way out of line, do it, you know? And then he and Wonder Woman have a fight for crying out loud versus it just becomes this very natural. This is what we have to do. Even if we have to activate the mother box and that's going to call Steppenwolf, like we have to gamble on this. And I just love how, how much more organic it is uh, in that version. And I think that the camera work is telling, was already telling us that they're all on board doing this. You know, they're finishing each other's sentences. And so Craig, like, we completely, completely missed the point of that. Can you explain? You said something about the camera work, like going, oh, while they're all discussing around. Yeah, the yeah. so yep. yeah, so like the camera to the round table, yeah, it's like circling all the way around. Them. Gotcha. It, yeah, it and- reminded me a little bit of, and maybe it's because both of these have extended versions, but like Lord of the Rings and the Council of Elrond. Oh yeah, where it's all like centered around the ring, and it's going like the mother box is a stand-in for the ring there. Yeah, and everyone is just making the decision based on this, like, it is. It, it's, it's almost like a. Uh, you, you can either make a bad decision or a really bad decision. Those <laughs> yeah. are your only options. This is our best bad option. Yeah. Best to bad pull option. from another Ben Affleck movie. <laughs> um, isn't that what the line is? I think it is uh, from uh, Argo. Um, yeah. But I'm so glad you didn't steal the one I was going to say, Anthony, about Superman poses and shots, because I had the one where he's, he's in the black suit and he's like in the Jesus Christ pose. I, I had a feeling you'd say something absorbing about Absorbing the so sun let you the have music the glory. swells. Oh man. <laughs> That is such a great. I'm getting chills just thinking about that right oh, now. Flight yeah. 2.0. Oh, it's it's so good. And then I mean, I had that for. We get the sound. That's I'm going to talk about it again when we get the sound. Um, so that yeah, there's so the camera is so dynamic in this. I also I really love the shot when we see the Wonder Woman intro where that's like it's starting on like a bird's eye view looking, uh, looking down and then it, it swings around. It the camera just keeps moving all the way through this. Um, I also had the low angle looking up at Batman. Uh, just so so good. I, I have to assume too the the extreme close up of the whiskey the whiskey glass is a callback to Jurassic Park, hmm. um, because it does the same thing where Superman meets Alfred for the first time. And I I love that scene by yeah. the way, so good. I'm gonna throw in one more one more uh, slow motion for you, Justin, because I do think <laughs> that this one actually it does 
it, it serves a, it actually serves a purpose. And it's okay. When, let me let me just clarify here. Well. I'm not anti slow motion. <laughs> no, you just said it was I overused. Just, I thought it was overused, and yeah. it was one of those things that like once I noticed, I'm like, they're doing this a lot. I'm like, oh great, now I'm going to notice it every single time. Okay, so this uh, one. Whereas if, it, if I didn't notice it, I don't think it would have been too much right. of an issue. Well, this is the this is the part where um, they're inside what the, what the what was the dome, and there's this near freeze frame where you, this is, you actually see Wonder Woman flying. There, it's like this pause yes. on all of them, and she's actually. This is where the only time we actually see her flying outside of Wonder Woman eighty four. So yeah, you see her one point after the bank robbery. She oh, that's flies true. up to get rid of. It. But in that's the true. weed yeah, cut, that's true. she that's just true. jumps and throws the suitcase. She does it at the end of the first Wonder Woman. Technically, movie, in, in the Doomsday fight, she's flying a little bit too when she that's true. That's leaps true. to go after him. Oh, but yeah. thank you. Yeah, I sit I corrected. What's the but yeah, between but, flight and just like a really big jump? But well, again, she's, that's she's that hero like pose horizontally, though. Yeah, yeah she's so horizontal. Hero so. shot of the team was brilliant. Yeah, and that too. Yeah, so that's what of I the of the slow motion where they're all flying, where she's flying, Aquaman's jumping, the Flash is running, and Batman's in the car, and they're all driving. That was an incredible slow motion shot. Yeah, and I could talk all day about just the cinematography, but we should probably transition <laughs> down to sound. We could. Uh, so, Anthony, I'm gonna give you first crack again. On yeah. sound, soundtrack, effects, voice. So stuff. I'm, I'm going to devote my entire time to the glory that is Junkie XL's incredible score for this this masterpiece. I mean, frankly, I think his all the, the four hours that he devoted to creating music for this movie is just a wonderful feat in itself. Um, I own the vinyl downstairs, all seven discs of it. It is just incredible. I love putting it on. It's a great way to spend a, a Saturday or Sunday afternoon just having that thing on the background while you're watching sports and enjoying life. Um, I love the new Batman theme that he brings for this movie to show that there's a character difference from the character in BVS, the darker version that is now more reformed by his experience with Superman, the brown, 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 brown. Love. That is incredible. That, that theme slaps to use a phrase that the kids are using these days. I actually do love the, uh, Am- the ancient lamentation. Uh, I, I actually, I like it too. that works for me. Uh, I like the, I, I've heard him explain it. It's like, making it more, you know, the Amazonians have been here forever. You know, Wonder Woman is an older character, right? She's one of the oldest characters in the, in the world at this point. And the fact that, you know, he just wanted to showcase that this is a more worldly, global, long-living theme and character, that, that's why he added that. And it, it works for me. I can understand why it might not work. Uh, it could get yeah, a little annoying, I imagine. But, agree to disagree. Um, yeah. Agree to disagree, <laughs> indeed. Yeah. My favorite thing, um, my favorite song in this movie is a kind of a callback to early, you know, Man of Steel, but it's Superman Rising Part 2, or Superman you know, Rising Part 2 um, in the soundtrack, but it is basically just a more rock version of the flight sequence, um, which is when he comes down and he says, not impressed, and then he does the the great action sequence against Steppenwolf. Um when that happened in first viewing, I was just about, you know, I was standing up fighting with Superman at that, as that happened, right? The sun was coming up, as I, as I mentioned, um, and I, I'm in that fight with them. I'm a part of the Justice League at this point. I feel like I, I, anything is possible when that soundtrack comes on. I listen to it when I'm at work, when I need to feel a, a boost of energy. It just, it works for me on, on that level. And of course, right after that is... At the speed for at the speed of force when the, the flash goes into the speed force and that just that the guitar work there how it builds how the Justice League theme comes into it the crew at war power which again we can get to that in a second here um, it just it's incredible I, I again when I watch this movie I feel like anything is possible 
I feel like it doesn't matter who you are. You're a band of misfits coming together. You have problems. But if you come together and you unite as one, us united, anything is possible. And again, it's the theme of this movie. <laughs> if a group of fans that really don't like a certain kind of a movie come together and fight hard enough, you can get uh, an incredible four-hour director's cut, if you believe. Um, and and, and again, lastly, I'll talk with the crew of War Power. This is a wonderful Wonderful Justice League theme. I again the, the the drum work in the background. Uh, I know Junkie XL is very much known for his the the, the catalog of drums that he has in his back uh, back pocket, um, which he's used of course when he worked on the Man of Steel score. He worked on uh, uh, BBS as well. He did Mad Max Fury Road, which again uses that same type of score sequence. Um, this is a Justice League theme, and honestly, I can't remember a single bit of music from the 2017 version it's really bland the only thing i remember for it is recycling old old themes right i don't think the elfman theme works for bat for ben affleck's batman i <laughs> that's not really fair i don't think that the superman 78 theme necessarily works for henry cavill superman i love the the two notes the dun 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 the, all that stuff i love how that's it works for these characters. It's a part of this universe that is created. And I'm glad that Junkie XL also, who was fired from that first movie, <laughs> when Zach left, he was fired from the movie. Uh, and then they brought on Whedon and uh, Danny Elfman to, to round out the score. I'm glad that he also got to come back and finish this score and do what basically what Zach did for finishing the movie. But I know he's had that lingering in his mind of like, okay, what... What, what would the theme have been? What does this mean for the story? And and to recycle some of those old themes again, add some new ones, create ones for Cyborg, which I think is incredible. I love the music that swells when he's having that the football scene and then the scene later with his mother and how he's dealing with this his new gifts and, and being this hero. and or, or maybe he's not a hero. He doesn't know he's deciding. But all that just culminates into this incredible epic soundtrack that I, I implore anybody that hasn't listened to it just just put it on it's great background music and get you through a long afternoon if you need to but that's really why i wanted to spend all my time which is highlighting the great work by junkie xl uh, all right who wants to follow that <laughs> i will okay because i got i got a little different different thing on it um and i'm gonna i'm just gonna limit this to two things that i saw okay and uh because there's a compare and contrast, it becomes very apparent what Zack Snyder, the themes that you're talking about, how much Zack understands them more. And I think in the very beginning, Josh Whedon's intro song after the after the Parademon and Batman scene, where he kind of starts to bring Superman's funeral and all that, and starts he it's very James Bond soundtrack song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that very first song. I don't even know the name of it. I just remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, I'm watching a James Bond movie," and it's this. Yeah, this it's gals- called Everybody Knows. Yes, right. and that even sounds like a James Bond theme song. And Everybody it's a, knows it's a Leonard Cohen cover too. So. And it's it's a great song. It sounded wonderful, but it, it's not the right place for Justice League. And and I didn't. I was like, this just took it into an entirely different theme. Felt like I was getting ready to watch James Bond or, or a Mission Impossible. And then Snyder has the ancient lamentations going and, you know, and it's kind of a haunting theme setting it up and, and some of that. And then the other thing, and I think this is where Snyder is the pay, the payoff on this. He understands those themes. Wonder Woman at the bank standing on top watching. Whedon brings in the moment we see Wonder Woman, he brings in her theme song. It's iconic and it's in the background. It's not even that loud. He brings the theme song in, but there's other stuff mixed with it. 
and it's it's like he didn't realize the power of her theme song. I think she, besides the Superman theme song, hers is the most powerful, recognizable theme song of any of the supers in the DC universe because that Batman versus Superman, when she got revealed with that song, I get chills every time I hear that song come. I mean, you know, that's Wonder Woman. And he plays it there, but then he doesn't do it anywhere else or it's so subtle in the background, you can barely hear it. Zack Snyder does not play it there. He does not bring in Wonder Woman's theme song until she goes and starts stopping all the bullets because she's saving the day. Now her theme song comes in, which is exactly how it got used in Batman versus Superman. And I think he he's looking and making the connection. This theme song explains the character. She's a hero, not an intro. She saved Batman too. and Superman in Batman versus Superman. And we got that theme song and we got chills and then she's battling. And here, same thing. She saves that entire room of kids. Now she's battle. You know, she's battling. And then the other one, and I think this was a gross misuse of Superman's theme song. Pet Cemetery in Josh Whedon's version, they play the Superman theme song. Dark Superman fighting the Justice League. Yeah. Not knowing who he is. Now I have Superman's theme song in there with with Josh Whedon's version when he's fighting Barry in slow mo, and I felt like this isn't the time to play that because that's his hero theme. And here he's not the hero. He's the, I just woke up from being dead and I'm, I'm angry and I'm pet cemetery, you know, but then in Zack Snyder's version, you don't have that hero theme song playing. And I think that's because he understands that theme. The moment that comes on, that's gotta be Superman's callback into that truth, justice, the American way, everything he stands for, is coming up and that's that theme. And so I think Zach, you know, and I know he has guys doing this. That's him. He embodies that a little bit more of, it's not just the character, it's the director and it's the choices and the music guys that they make. Those choices make the difference in the movie. You usually they're behind the scenes. You don't really know them unless you know, you're, you're junkies like us where we know these guys and what they're doing. Most people step back and, and don't pay attention to that. Um, but when you have an intentionality in it and you see it, it's the difference between these two, which is why Craig, I can't wait to take your course when you start teaching. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Justin, um, man, I'm just going to disagree with, with all these things. Uh, (laughs) but, but I, I feel like we have the same opinions, but I just, you know, I gotta, I gotta, you know, mix it up a little bit. Um, I actually had that on my list that, uh, the uh, scene where it's kind of showing people mourning all over the world for Superman. Uh, I missed the everybody knows song. I actually really liked that song in that part um, because of what it set up tonally. And it didn't Snyder's didn't have the same tone, but I liked that it set up the tone that we have this, like like the world needed him. He was not only like a symbol, he spent a good amount of time, you know, helping people and making people feel safe. And just the the lyrics to that song, a lot of the lyrics are just like, you know, as humanity, we're screwed. Like, we have nothing going for us. And Superman was the answer for that. And um, I, I just don't feel like the score in there that they replaced it with hits quite the same. And like those those scenes aren't as uh, powerful. But that's just that's just for me. That's yeah. just for me. I'm, I'm going to push back on that. Oh, uh, okay. 
Yeah. Perfect. I'm glad you brought it up again because I didn't want to interrupt Corey. He was on a, he was on a little bit of a roll. So uh, Distant Sky is the song that's playing. It's Nick Cave and Snyder's obviously a huge Nick Cave fan. He's used lots of his music and lots of his movies. There's a line in there as she's walking to the monument that says, they told us our gods would outlive us, but they lied. And like, it's, if anything, it's on the nose. Yeah. So yeah, I just like, oh, wow. Because I had the subtitles on. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like he's really calling it directly out what Lois is thinking at this point and what the world is thinking at this point. So that's I don't know that, I that seemed that. a little too like, like esoteric for me or like theoretical. Whereas the everybody sure. knows song is more, um, sorry, I had the lyrics up here. Um, everybody knows, or let's see, let me find one that I guess, Oh man, all of these are not appropriate yeah. for this podcast. There's a lot <laughs> of inappropriate lyrics. Message. I will say, um, like, I'm glad you brought up Anthony that it's an Leonard Cohen song because that's also like again you, for a yeah. for a Snyder film. Big, big which you get at the end of this movie, which is Alison Crow covered, which yeah. is also Auden his his daughter that that passed away's favorite song. So, right. but but just saying that like our gods, everyone told us our gods would outlive us, as opposed to like the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, um, the deck is loaded things like that that seems more down to like the base level of humanity and like what superman represented and who he was protecting like he didn't start off protecting the world from uh zod and from doomsday like he started off and spent most of his time at least if the montages are to be believed uh helping the little guy right (laughs) and i just (laughs) love that that song showed it better if the montages are to believed and and i do i believe the montages yeah yeah it's fantastic canon. <laughs> canon montages um i have to start with the uh the doppler effect of superman's death scream from the oh, beginning yeah. of the film oh yeah that's just oh. so powerful and just echoing through the universe and like the the sound the, the sound design in this film i love it so much the the mother boxes whirring rattling mm-hmm. sound and then it's almost exactly the same sound when when cyborg moves and i didn't catch oh, yeah. it until this time i was really listening for him like of course he is he's born from that um the boom tubes love that mm. effect so very much did we lose and, that line i think steppenwolf in whedon's version said you were born of them yeah uh, yeah yeah he, he he's all bambling about mother and oh you were born of the mother yeah. Okay. He's, he's, we do lose that. Yeah. Oh, oh interesting. Oh, we did lose it. Okay. Which I actually yeah, like that. We lost that. Good catch. Good catch. Um, of course, anytime I love the Man of Steel theme so very much, Anthony. I'm glad that you brought that up too. Like when you first time we see the Superman ship revealed at Star Labs, they're like, oh, oh it's the, and the it's the, the horns too. It's even oh, it's a variation yeah. of it. Yes. Yes. It's so good. And then like we talked about the the scene where the camera's panning around, they're talking about bringing Superman back, and then you know the hologram pops up. You know the cyborg projects a hologram, and then you hear the mutant like with the and then it cuts to black, you know, because it's the end of that chapter. But just like I'm getting chills just thinking about that right now. Uh, there's, you know, the soft piano part of that song too. When he's at when Clark's at home in Smallville and kind of just thinking about how much she, you know, remembers being there. You get to hear Luther's theme from BVS again um, when they go back to to Arkham. And of course, I have to mention the Icelandic folk song, which goes on for like five minutes. Oh, love it! It's it's like five or six Bjorks there singing. Yes. Um, I <laughs> smelling that sweater. You got to smell that sweater, dude. Oh, hey, man, I would, Aqua, I would too. Aqua Velva is what that. Fl- <laughs> There's some great fish. voiceover in this too, like. though. I did want to like mention the voiceover. Um, I really like Diana's voiceover with the mother boxes, the first battle with dark side, um, the Silas stone 
you explain mm. Victor's true potential. That whole thing I think is just really powerful. And, and but nothing well, that plus his, his thing at the end too, about yeah, continuing yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. You can wrap to the film and the, but the, the Clark hearing his father's voices back to back with, Oh man, it with the music swelling. And then you get that shot that you described Anthony and the shot that mm-hmm. I described. And like, it just hairs works. on your neck. Oh, very well. Yes. I just hmm. I love it. So inspiring. I love it. And anybody that doesn't think Snyder's films are inspiring, I just, I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, did you watch the same film? Cause it pays off for me. It's just like, yes, we've been on this journey and it sucked that he died. And you know, it's two hours into the film before Clark comes back. And it's so. the same time when he died in BBS too, <laughs> which is nuts. So the other ah. sounds, the other sounds that I love, cause we're talking sound effects too, right? Like just the way they layer these in is uh Steppenwolf's voice between the mm-hmm. two. Oh yeah. It oh, yeah. is absolutely fitting in Snyder cut and laughable in, in Weeding's version. It is not the same. And it, and, and don't even, yeah. On the armor and the view and how he oh, yeah. looks is, I would is, say his armor makes a sound too. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's just constantly it's ticking nanotech <laughs> of whatever it is always ticking. And, and uh, everything he gets where he gets hit with arrows when he's fighting the Amazon and just pops them out of the armor mm. by f- it's almost oh, like he just flexes? flexed it, but the armor <laughs> so cut it and said, nah, this didn't get me. My armor yeah. stopped. It's little things like that that he pays attention to. It's it's the whole setup in the battle that Diana narrates and the and the electric bolts from from a Zeus who looks amazing. Marvel, yes. I'm sorry you did it injustice. <laughs> I love Russell Crowe. No, no yeah. disrespect to him. I love him. But I mean, this was a Zeus that I was like, I could get behind this guy. And uh and then they even see the the guy that she fights in Wonder Woman right there where he goes and brings yeah, the axe Ares, down. Yeah, yeah. Um, his scene is how he turns and fights and jumps at that is absolutely brilliant. But like, there's just the voices are completely different. And I think the the dialogue of those voices made a difference. Steppenwolf in this Snyder Cut is a villain conqueror from worlds that he has destroyed. The Steppenwolf in Whedon's version feels to me more like a just a crazy – Earthbound villains conversation. His voice. You don't get much about him in Whedon's version. He's a throwaway. He's just obsessed with mother boxes. He's bambling around mother, 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 mother. Yeah, and he's just you're gonna love me, you know. And it's (laughs) okay. Thanks a lot. I I like you're Lex Luthor with horns. That's all you are. You know, you're an Earthbound villain, not the conqueror coming from space with the deep booming voice. It's gonna destroy everything. Yeah, yeah. Defenders, they failed a thousand worlds before. (laughs) He has this greater motivation of like, I have to regain my honor, like I have to- I just wanna go home. (laughs) He has a motivation and he has a plot and a story behind him as well that they build up. Yeah, like it builds up to a point where you're like, I I know he's not gonna give up. He is going to fight to the death because he has to in order to- You see what a difference the sound, the voice makes? That's This is where we're talking sound. It makes a difference to get that. And his head getting squashed is a great sound too later in the yeah. movie. Oh, I could not believe that <laughs> oh, sound. Oh, gosh, dang. Yes. That just goes on for. <laughs> yeah. That goes Special on for delivery, so Darkseid. There you go. So and Darkseid and his voice and. Yeah. Uh, Porter. Yeah. The Sod's voice, mm-hmm. the way that oh, those yep. pan together. Yep. And, and I got to love the special effects sound of their little communication thing that they use with that melting sparks falling all the time. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. So, yeah. So this is a natural segue into perform. We already started talking about performance a little bit, which is fantastic. So we're going to start with dialogue because that's always the most fun. We're going to do, we'll see if we have time for two. I think we do. Anthony, give me one 
line of dialogue or conversation that you really liked? Yeah. So um, I think Chris Terrio goes off uh, on this movie. I think that's fair to say like a man that can write four hours worth of movie. And it feels like it's honestly, this is great pacing to this movie, but I think the dialogue helps the pacing of this movie more than anything. It makes it feel to me like a two hour film instead of just a four hour film where I watch two hour films. that feel like four hour films. I mean, it's, it's incredible how he does this, but um, if I can, the the phrase that I constantly think about is uh, when Alfred is talking to Batman, they're having this conversation uh, when they're about to bring back Superman from the dead. Um, and he's like, your guilt's overcome your reason. Right. That type of that conversation. And, and uh, uh, what's that? I might paraphrase this. So I get prove, forgive me if I get this wrong, but don't wave the red cape if, uh, you know, you don't want the charging bull coming back at you. And he's like, you do if it's this red cape <laughs> or uh, to that end. And uh I just I just love what that means. Like I love what Alfred's doing in this movie too because of that. Like he's you know, he's trying to be that voice of reason because Bruce for once in his life is acting on faith. Again, faith, Alfred, faith. Another great point in this movie. Again, something we may not have seen in another Batman to this point. Um, but th- that whole dialogue sequence where Bruce is affirming his reasons for doing something, right? He's this first disciple, if you will, that's trying to bring back their their great leader. He's done the best that he could to bring this team together. But Alfred is also trying to be a sense of realism. Like, again, if you do ignite this, you could get both Steppenwolf and you don't know what you're going to get if you get Superman back. He may not be the same person that you brought back uh, that you thought before. So, um, again, if you can't bring down the charging bull, don't wave the red cape. That's it. I, I knew I had it up here, but there it is. <laughs> um, again, when he fights back, you do when it's this red cape. I just love the defiance and, and, and Ben Affleck. He's just a great Bruce Wayne. Again, Bruce Wayne in this movie is just as much of a pivotal character as as Batman. It's because Bruce Wayne is the one going around recruiting all these all these characters rather than Batman itself. Mm-hmm. Justin. Um, the one that stood out to me because it it uh, it made me. I guess uh, enjoy a character of this movie quite a bit more was Ben Affleck's or I guess Batman's line when uh, they walk into the Batcave and he says, everybody, this is Alfred. <laughs> I work for him, mm-hmm. uh, which I just, that's badass Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody that sees is. it that way, yeah. but I like that, <laughs> that Batman introduces it that way because I, I never much cared for this Alfred. He seemed almost like too forceful and too rough and too uh, pushy of Bruce. But if Bruce puts it that way, I work for him. I'm just like, Oh, your relationship dynamic is not the same as the other Alfreds, which were kind of permissive and just did what Batman said. This is kind of the other way around. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, just, I thought that was great. And no one really questions it. It's not really brought up later or anything like that. Uh, I thought that was fantastic. Corey. All right. I'm going to bring up the payoff word. Okay. It's one of my favorite things Craig introduced me to uh, several podcasts ago. The payoff where you get a setup and it pays off later. I give it to you and introduce it. And Justin, you didn't even realize your comment right there was a payoff back to Justice League where Ben Affleck, after going against Superman, turns around and they become buddies. He's going to go save Martha. He says, Alfred's been listening the whole time. I don't deserve you, Alfred. And he says, No, sir, you don't. And it's that that ties. You <laughs> get that. It. That's a payoff. That's a two movie payoff. I didn't even realize and think about it till Justin said it. I work for him. It is brilliance of Zack Snyder. Now, here's my payoff because I think it's the same thing is Barry Allen's relationship with Batman when he meets him in Batman versus <laughs> Superman. And he says, what's your what's your superpower again? And he says, I'm rich. And that whole tone comes back again in Justice League when he says, you have a satellite. 
And Ben Affleck, same tone, says, I have six. Yeah. Like he just, mm-hmm. you have your own satellite? I got six. And it's just the I'm rich. It's the same tone, the same. It's it's kind of the payoff of I'm going back to this little punchline that I had here in Batman versus Superman. I bring it back in Just League and I liked it. So So something to go along with that, Corey. Um when he first when Bruce Wayne first meets Aquaman and Aquaman, you know, pushes him against the wall. Bruce pulls out a stack of money oh, to yeah. hand to him. Yeah. Like, that is a like, superpower. Oh, super strength. Here's my money. Like, I'm <laughs> yes. rich. Like, uh, I'm so rich. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I should mention, like, when this episode drops, it's just going to come out Wednesday the 14th. It'll be right before the Flash, which is the closest thing we're going to get to a sequel to this film. And uh, as much problems as Ezra Miller has had, and they are numerous, he's my favorite part in this film. Other than when Superman shows up, which he's not in very much. And so most of the dialogue I wrote down are things that he says. And most of them, they're not really important, but they're hilarious. And I just love the whole interaction where when he meets Wonder Woman, that whole scene, you know, you must be Barry. I'm Diana. Hi, Barry. I'm Diana. That's not right. <laughs> just love that. And then freaking out. Oh, it's the bat signal. That's so cool. Oh, just wow. like, that's exactly what we would do if you were there. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely fanboys over him a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, step it reminds into the me world. a little bit of when uh, in the MCU when Ant Man meets Captain yeah. America. Yeah, it's it's still very much like. Star Thanks for yeah. thinking of me. Thanks yeah. for yeah. Thanks. <laughs> you're cool. Oh, I know you. Yeah, that that whole thing. That's that's just fun. I know you too. You're great. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're running a little bit long. So, does anybody have another one they want to throw in, or should we move on? I do. I got one last <clears throat> one last quote that I think is great is uh, when. Because, again, a payoff is Ben Affleck talking about the premonition with Wonder Woman that he had Mm. from the callback from Batman versus Superman. And he said, Barry Allen stood right here. And I love that because it kind of brings the connection along this line, you know, along this trilogy. And then to see Cyborg get that same, he sees the nightmare scenario when they bring back Superman. Mm -hmm. And he actually says, wait, uh, before Barry Allen takes off, or he says no, and Barry Allen says go, and then takes off and then brings back Superman. And so in Snyder's version, you kind of have a hesitation there. And I think I think that's a great line of dialogue because it just shows, wait, I have doubt too now because of what I just saw. If we bring him back, this is what's going to happen. And I saw my premonition, Dark Side, and I saw Superman taking out everybody. So anyway, I just thought that was a great yeah. call back there. Uh, anybody have anything else for body language, facial expressions, or costumes, hair, makeup, anything that you want to point out that you thought was interesting? I have a one or two things. The flash I, suit in this is okay. It's good. But can we just say that in the next movie, that flash suit is beautiful? I mean, it looks amazing in the flash that's going to drop when this airs. I like I like this one. I mean, the other one looks good as well. But I like how this one looks like it's being held together with like cord. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was that was kind of... A, a nice touch. I think costume design in general, man, I'm going to sound like such an MCU fanboy here. I, I don't like the costume design a ton. Obviously I've, I've said how much I like the, the Batman costume, but um, in terms of just like uh, Aquaman's costume and cyborg, like the yeah. way he is done, it's, it's all very, it's very dark, but like busy at the same time. And I just, I don't appreciate it. It's yeah. like they, 
I See that we get that cyborg. great payoff well with Aquaman in Aquaman movie when he gets the you know the traditional comic book suit. That's yeah, that was that was Zach's point moment. is he didn't want to take away from the other directors having a, a, a opinion on on the suit overall. I would have been fine though. Like I remember in the very first trailer, or maybe it was a trailer for a different movie, but the first time we saw Aquaman on screen, like we just saw him with his tattoos. That kind of uh, right. was a callback to his suit. I honestly like that. This suit, I just i was not a fan of and cyborg was far too busy i like the general idea of like you can see the his like power core coming from his chest uh but he was just like so angular and something about his movements just did not look fluid i just i guess i wanted more simplicity but that's just that's a stylistic choice on my part like an opinion sure. yeah man i'm really just negative <laughs> on this. i promise i like this movie. goodness <laughs> Great. i really like the uh the look that Bruce gives Aquaman when he um, speaks the Icelandic language right back to him. And he has that kind of eyebrows and the grin where he's like, yeah, I know what you were saying the entire time. I, I love that. so very much. That's another one of his superpowers is his intelligence. Right. <laughs> uh, and I, I just, I so love the, the headbutts that like Superman headbutts, wonder woman. She heads him right back, headbutts him right back. <laughs> and He like lifts up and just plows into the ground. Just, yeah, it's just so good. I love it. Um, for me, we've yeah. already talked about the, I love the design for Steppenwolf. I mean, it's night and day from what was in the theatrical cut. Uh, like I, <laughs> that's horrendous that they let that on screen in my opinion, in the yeah, 2017 version, like it clearly lines up with what we see in the communion sequence of BBS and, um, some body language. I love the Lex Luthor head nod. When he knows that, I think he knows in his in his heart that Superman is dead. <laughs> yeah. uh, in the beginning of the movie, um, and for costume design, I absolutely love the Deathstroke um, oh, costume. I think yes. that is just gorgeous, yes. and it's an absolute travesty that we didn't get that um, follow up movie. <sighs> oh, I just and, googled uh, and then I'm, Whedon's Steppenwolf. <clears throat> I forgot how bad that was. Oh yes, yeah. yes, That's yes, really, really bad. And then yes. I'm also going to bring in uh, Darkseid because this is fresh oh, yeah, off. Yeah. Endgame had just come out. We all saw Thanos. We saw the big Titan. Darkseid and his the Omega symbol on his chest, the Omega beams that we know he would have, his whole dark, gritty metal look and everything about him yep. makes Thanos look like a tiny Titan. I mean, just... It does, yeah. It, it, because... Fresh off Thanos, we're all thinking Thanos is the most powerful thing. And to see another Titan come in, we're all thinking, oh, you know, gosh, what are you going to do? He's going to hey, look like Darkseid doesn't need a glove. <laughs> and he Ooh. and him looking at Steppenwolf's head and squashing it down. Those yeah. That costume, that design and his eyes on fire and his throne that he's sitting on. Holy cow, I cannot believe we didn't get that movie. He looks how, how we walked away from that at, at – DC and to replace it with, I have no idea, James Gunn. I'm going to hold faith that you're going to do it. But how to walk away from what that could have been and look like with Henry Cavill fighting? I mean, I know. I wonder if we'll ever get. I shed tears. I mean, I can't imagine they wouldn't at some point if the new DCU is successful that they don't build towards something big that could potentially have Darkseid in it again. I mean, I can't it's stop looking at they'll redesign it. This is so because <laughs> it. it's comic book accurate too. That's the thing. Like he looks like oh, yeah. he's ripped out of the comic book oh, too. Um, last thing I want to add too, but just for costume design, is I love the black 
suit choice um, for yes. this movie and what it means for the arc of the characters. Uh, we This is supposed to be a five film arc with Justice League 2 and 3 beyond that that was supposed to conclude Superman's hero's journey um, where he was going to rewear the blue suit again at a certain point. Right, We see him wear it later on when he's probably not in his most heroic form in the nightmare sequence and um, when he succumbed to the anti-life equation. Um, and what we were supposed to see was him re-becoming the hero again that we be- that he believes he is, that we believe and know he is. But um, going through that character journey again would have been e- exciting to see. And I'm glad that they were using costume design to further illustrate that point. Yeah. I think the costume design of the Joker in that nightmare scenario was great oh, too. Oh, absolutely. Got that I, right. I was not a big fan of Jared Leto as a Joker, but I will say in that nightmare scene with his <laughs> wearing a police body yeah, armor yeah, a, sw- a SWAT you know, outfit yeah i'm with all these supers and here's the joker with police body armor swat outfit and i'm thinking man this guy you know and then he's fighting with them for whatever they're going into that we know is set it up for uh but that costume design was great and that acting right there and that character of jared leto was was yeah. one i would i, I need pay to know money more twice like, to go what see. possible reason could they be like let's team up with the joker Tell so me i can i can spoil if you want to you know. do it do it bring it go for it so We've seen the movie He's supposed to go steal the mother box for them that they will eventually use to power up the cosmic treadmill that will send the flash back in time to tell Bruce about, you know, what we see in BBS. Just he'll say something different this time to change the timeline so that he isn't trying to actively kill Superman. (laughs) So that's that's the whole purpose is that the Joker theoretically can sneak through behind places and get through places sneakily without being detected. He's kind of a nuisance that way, as we all know. And yeah. um, that's that's the purpose you, he's serving. How do you know this? Where does who, who are you who is so wise in the ways of science? <laughs> <laughs> I will be honest, Zach, for a while after the movie came out, went on like a good lot of podcasts and video podcasts on YouTube and was sharing details left and right about things that, you know, would have happened in eventual sequels. And he's oddly enough changed his tune the last couple of months here about, you know, not being so coy about things that would have happened in the future. Um, So I I hold a wink on that one, hopefully. Um, But that that was the plan at that time. Yeah. Be the sacred timeline that we're on, please. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's move down to setting and design. Um, So, Filmed a lot of real world locations, Chicago, Illinois, Los Angeles, in filmed in Iceland, of course. Um, which is which is interesting. Bruce finding Aquaman in Iceland, not maybe just necessarily the place that you'd think to find him. I love that kind of that twist that uh, that happened. It's where the King's Tide's at. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go where that's at. And it apparently wasn't in Jamaica at the so time. It's not in Costa Rica or Fiji. <laughs> he had to return the sweater to that girl. <laughs> Uh, set decoration. Uh, the one thing I noticed this time that I don't think I'd really paid much attention to before is all the glass in the bat cave where t- we've kind of seen like in the Keaton's film and in, in Bale's films that it's just, there's just the rock and we still have the rock, but it's, that's enclosed with a glass. So it's like a much more modern, but you still have, because it's see-through, you can still see the cave that he's in. So I thought that was kind of a, an interesting, interesting choice. It's very utilitarian in there with all the, the metal shelving and whatnot, but it's also very modern at the same time. Uh, I think when you come to set decoration, I think the big final battle is night and day between the Whedon's purple uh, alien plants popping up versus uh, what look like, I can only assume, nanotechnology and kind of armor building of a a base world that 
Steppenwolf was building in Zack Schneider's version. It's just the coloring is different. Everything is different there and works in Schneider's that doesn't work in. It's, it's, it's laughable a little bit when you compare the two. It is, it's just (laughs) laughable to see that purple. And then the flowers that pop up at the end, the alien flowers that pop up in the end at, in Ween's version, just, they don't make sense. They're out of place and they're just, uh, too campy, too cheesy. Yeah. I also wanted to look, uh, talk about just briefly Barry Allen's apartment and just how random it is, which I think speaks very much to his personality that, I mean, mm-hmm. there's one, there's been theories about like he acts the way he acts. Cause he's kind of, cause his brain is moving so quickly. Yeah. And so it's like, it's almost like he has an, uh, like an ADHD, uh, like a speed force infused ADHD yeah, yeah. kind of thing. I also enjoyed, I, I feel like in, I, I didn't count them. Maybe you guys are going to pull out a number like you did with the slow-mo, but uh, it shows uh, Barry Allen eating much more often because he, he tells you why he has to eat so much, but I feel like in Whedon's version, you don't really see him eating except for when he says that line. But in this one, almost through yeah. most dialogue, he's chowing down on something. It's a snack hole. It's a snack hole, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I think the like, there's a prop that I love, which is the gauntlets. Um, that Batman wears now to mm-hmm. help dissipate energy. Um, and I like what that means too, is that like the character journey from BVS being forced to face these greater, larger than life things and realizing that he's not really effective in the battle against doomsday. And then taking that one step further to realizing how can I be effective being smart? Like we know Bruce Wayne is and uh, utilizing his, his brain and his, his wealth to, to go to use. Between BVS and this one too, we see, I feel like uh, his machinery has grown exponentially. Like he's just got yeah. beefier stuff, like that Nightcrawler machine. Yeah. And then oh, that, yeah, the, the the absolutely. Ship, and the Flying which, Fox like, too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that ship, I, sorry, another criticism. I feel like they spent so much time on why that thing could not fly and it needed to fly. I'm like, I don't need to know the inner emotions of this ship, but here we are. That's Flights, it's nature. <laughs> So I um, want to talk briefly about okay, the gauntlets right. just real fast, Anthony, because as you were talking, it made me realize something. So that's kind of his main thing that he's working on through this film, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is the gauntlets, which are a defensive weapon versus when BVS, where he's spending yeah. so much time working on offensive weapons. So he can Ooh. see that he's changed philosophically yep. the way he's going to do combat. Spend enough time dividing us. Yeah. So Corey, I interrupted you. What were you saying? No, no, that was good. I, I think uh, the one of the biggest props I think was that I absolutely love is Wonder Woman's sword in this one because when she breaks Darkseid's axe, she does that big turnaround, hits the axe, and the axe shatters because Superman froze it. It worked, you know, the, but after what I – like in the moment it worked, I was like, okay. You know, it was a definite slow-mo, spin, scream, swing – but when you watch it in the Snyder verse where she cuts off Steppenwolf's head with it and then comes down and there's blood on that axe when she comes down oh, yeah. with it or on that uh on that sword when she comes down that fit the character the nature the movie the tone everything and then Steppenwolf's head sliding on the floor as a prop <laughs> is absolutely brilliant Oops. and getting squished you know getting stepped on by dark side so yeah. i think as a prop all that paid off A couple of things that we don't really see in the the, the theatrical cut too. The Arrow of Artemis, I mm-hmm. think, is is really important. Like you get to see how they're bringing in the you know the Themyscirans. 
uh, with that. And she holds it, you know, use, and it also becomes like a key, which is, I love that whole, the set decoration down there too, with like the mural of dark side and the music's playing there. That's so cool. And then, you know, go back to your five film arc thing that like the lowest pregnancy test, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a plot thread that just gets eliminated. Well, except for there's one line at the end, right. where, you know, there's, it's the whole, like, how did you get the house back you know, from the bank? I bought, bought the, bank. the bank. And then after that, he, there's one more line where he says, you know, congratulations, by the way, alluding to the fact that. And you see them moving right. baby stuff into the, into the yeah. Kent farmhouse. Exactly. And that fits. That fits. Yep. That would have been such a good. So we talked about character. We've been talking about characters a lot. Are there any characters or actors that we have not talked about that you guys want to make sure we. I have, I have to bring up the two difference, like the Flash and Cyborg getting their due in Schneiderverse is tremendous. Yeah. It, though, I mean, Cyborg gets a whole entire backstory. He was robbed in Whedon's version, oh, yeah. absolutely robbed, horribly, and his character as a whole developed. In he was nothing but a back place burner in Whedon's version, and you know, and I remember thinking the same time because my son used to watch Teen Titans, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, Cyborg Teen Titans!" That's how I'm picturing this, right? <laughs> he's goofy, he's corny, oh yeah. And uh, but you watch him in Schneiderverse; he's a leader, he's a fighter, he is absolutely tremendous in this movie. And some of his lines and hit, between him and his dad mm-hmm. are are just pivotal to this movie. And you see why he was so mad about getting cut out of this. And then the part with the Flash. I'm just going to wrap up with Barry. Barry is absolutely brilliant in here. And I'm going to say this from a logical standpoint of his going faster than the speed or time uh, speed of light, because it makes sense to me. I teach science. This is true. It's got to be true. I've done the research. Okay. Pay attention. The payoff comes in when he re uh, brings Superman back to life. As he approaches the speed of light, he says, you know, as things approach the speed of light, Things are going to slow down at slow motion. Justin loves so much. When you hit the speed of light. <laughs> it makes sense there. I'm okay with yes. this there. <laughs> but when you hit the speed of light, time stops. So if you logically follow that through, when you exceed the speed of light, it's going to reverse, right? Because it makes sense. Approaching, you slow down. Speed of light, you stop. Going past, you reverse time. And that's what Barry's doing. As he approaches, and this always bugged me, the mother box touched the water first. Mm-hmm. It always bugged me in the Whedon version because he said you have to touch it the moment it hits the water. And it was always in the water a little bit. In Schneider's version, it comes back out of the water to the moment that it touches. He actually went faster than the speed of time or the speed of light and reversed the time on it. And it was the setup to say, and Barry even made a comment when I approached the speed of light, you know, I'm not supposed to do it. I'm not supposed to break that rule. And then at the end, he has to do it again. I got to go far above the speed of light. And that's what sets him up for such a huge character poll to say he saves the Justice League in the world. I mean, that was mm-hmm. written out of the movie. And I don't know how you'd write that powerful scene out. They and didn't understand. They, they didn't understand. Yeah. People, they exactly. didn't. And him running and showing the world just reassembling as he's running because he's reversing time by going above the speed of light is absolutely incredibly genius yeah, for his character art there. Oh my gosh. And uh, the chills I've got, I ended up coming home and I remember I was watching on YouTube, all the clips that people were posting <laughs> after that, like, Oh my gosh, I got to watch that scene one more time, one more time, one more time. And so I think as characters, the flash and cyborg, those two were completely robbed in, in Whedon's version. All right. All right, Corey, science teacher. I got some questions for you then. <laughs> Uh, how is the Flash communicating 
while he is running at the speed of light? How is he talking through through a radio? <laughs> it's very annoying for him to do that. He has to just, you know, it's it's very annoying. <laughs> like it's, he he has um, uh, there's mechanical things that pick up the make it go faster. Oh yeah 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 okay. Yeah. okay. Batman uh, has to develop that. Okay, Batman. Another, and then another, here, another question for Corey. Oh, one more. So uh, my my MVP Parademon who shoots Flash <laughs> while he's running that fast. So is the Flash everywhere at once in that yes. circle? So he could have yes. shot anywhere yes. and gotten him? Yes, yes. That that's is, what gets him. That is a huge problem for the that's Flash. That's why it's across if his whole side. so fast, you could just shoot anywhere and get that guy. Well, don't run in circles. That's don't the problem. Run don't, don't run that's in circles. The, exactly don't run in circles. Exactly the point. That, yep. That's the problem. Oh, well, that's why he zags so much when he's moving. Zigzag. Zig- See, yeah. there you go. The Flash yeah, bolt is a zigzag. He didn't follow the pattern. I don't know why. Um, and then uh, the other characters you got to introduce in here that did not, they never get noticed. The original Jimmy from the original Superman movie, uh, Jimmy Olsen, mm-hmm. is in Snyderverse and get a little conversation with him. It's nice to see that actor. Yeah, he's in both versions, in, but in a different role. But in a yeah. different light in the yeah. Snyderverse. And then uh, at Mark the McClure. end, Ryan Choi was yeah. introduced. We yeah, could have had him, I right? Know. We needed We needed Silas to die and brings up Ryan to say he's in charge of Starlink. I mean, we could have had him. He would have been in Justice League 2 somehow or or 3. We could have had him in there. Um, Zach was pushing for him to have his own movie. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I and I think it's a travesty we didn't get him because I think uh, it would have he, – that character, that guy was was great. And I was like, I could see him in a movie. I want it. I want it. I'll watch it. And then, uh, and then Lex on the boat with Deathstroke. Deathstroke's aura costume – those characters were side characters, I think, but given due that were cut out of Whedon's version. Yeah, and, and Corey, I read that that scene is actually supposed to be a lead into the the Batfleck movie. Is yeah, where that was it going. Is. It would yep. have been. So that's even more heartbreaking. Oh. Yeah, um, we have to talk about Harry Lennox mm-hmm. Martian being Manhunter. revealed as the Martian Manhunter, which yes. reframes everything he did in Man of Steel and BVS. Which you know, there's a TikTok of him and Batman versus Superman where Superman gets up and breaks the handcuffs. Everybody steps back except for, except him. for him. Yep. And was it intentional that Schneider did that? I don't know. But the whole point was that he was the Martian Manhunter and he could see and he was, you know, he's invincible himself. So he's he wasn't fearful of what Superman coming towards the screen or is everybody else backing up? And so people pointed out, like, did Jack Snyder have that from the beginning? <sighs> It's kind of like the Obi-Wan telling, you know, his reaction <laughs> telling the story of, you know, what happened to Anakin where he paused mm-hmm. in the body language. Yep. Interesting. Um, anybody else? I think we've, we've talked. There's so the cast is huge. Uh, yeah. Joe Manganello. I just wanted to say his um, name because it's hard to say. Uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon yeah. is uh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Great. Gosh, yeah, I love him. And how can we get a cast like this again assembled? I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to say it. This cast was perfect. Who who else are you going to get to play the Aquaman that I'm going to sit there and not make fun of? I mean, because <laughs> the Big Bang Theory even made fun of Aquaman, uh, right? With the costume, it's Aquaman. You get someone so cool and so manly, it's impossible. I will laugh man. at a gold and green costume for any other person except for <laughs> Momoa. I will. So, I am telling mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you will never get this cast again. Cavill. Okay. Backflip! Uh, oh my gosh! Sorry. Oh, All right. Okay. All right. We're back. We're back. Well, let's talk, let's, <laughs> cut this out, Aquaman, Craig. It's okay. No, no. We're leaving it in. Uh, Mira has an English accent in this yes, film. Yes. Yes. Yep. How, how do we feel about that? Is uh, she just like putting on airs? I'm, I'm cool. going. That's cool that's how it works in my head, Canon. She's just putting on airs until she meets him the second time. 
Yeah. But I do love how the ending sets up Aquaman really, really well. Where he's like, I'm going to go see my dad. And I'm like, always like, oh, yeah, that's how the, you know, that's how the next one starts. I will say kind of because she, it, they don't really line up anymore because, you know, uh, she mentions her parents, her, her dad's dead. Um, right. So it kind of misses up there. Also in Snyder's version, um, Aquaman's dad is dead, too. Um and that's confirmed by both Zach and like, I don't know if anyone's seen the Tom Watts like intro that they were going to do if this was a series instead of the movie um, where uh, Arthur is holding uh, an urn, which is to represent his dad. Oh, wow. Um, so yes, although there are some hints, like she mentioned Steppenwolf in, in Aquaman, that's more referencing the 2017 version than Zack sure. Snyder's Justice League. So he would be going to go see his grave in, in uh, following oh. this version rather than and to, to make amends with that and then go off to deal right. with Orm and all that stuff, whatever would have been the version of Aquaman that would have gone if it lined up with hmm. a Zack Snyder directed version of this movie. Sure. And there are beats of that, like Willem Dafoe mentions the fact that, you know, Orm's already kind of started the whole, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to start against fight the surface, with the all surface, that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you just kind of have to, there's a little bit of mental gymnastics you kind of have to do. Oh, absolutely, fit, yeah. But I'm, I'm totally fine with it. Aquaman William has Defoe. to fit this now. There's another legend. I know. William Defoe. Point of view. <clears throat> there you go. Uh, let's see. Hero's Journey. When we talked about at length about Batman's redemption arc, I mean, that's, really, I mean, that's on the back of the DVD. Like, they, you know, fueled by his restored faith in humanity. Um, yeah. He's Superman the first became, disciple. <laughs> yeah. Superman becomes the, oh, I love that. Becomes the character we're familiar with. And then, like, this is the one we've been waiting for. Why can we not have more? It's so aggravating. I mean, I never had a problem with the Men of Steel. I never had a problem with the BVS, but I don't think anyone had a problem with them in Justice League. Everyone wanted that version. And then it yeah. was there. Moment of silence. How? <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about final thoughts. Let's let's wrap up with our some of our final thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League. Anthony, I'm going to come back to you and then Justin, then Corey, and then I'll wrap yeah so obviously i love this movie this is one of my favorite movies of all time um not for just how great of a movie it is but i think for me it's a lot of i was so in the weeds about fighting for this movie to exist i was there in the trenches if you will on twitter tweeting out the hashtags um following zach on vero right i got a vero account so i I get up i get up to date news and updates whenever he posts a new frame and you know, once the 2017 version came out and everyone was like, I don't think this is Zach or, you know, we were basically, you know, very much told a different story than what Warner Brothers had wanted us to know about this movie and um, his involvement, how he handpicked Whedon. That that didn't happen. Um, and now they're here coming in to do minimal changes. So, you know, you come out of the movie and you're like, man, that wasn't that wasn't great at all. Or at least that was my opinion on it. And then you start seeing the images come out, right? Zach's putting out these stills of characters that didn't exist. I mean, Iris West, we, another character we didn't talk about that isn't in right. the original, uh, the theatrical cut of the movie. Um, all these these characters and in different scenes and different sequences. Um, and you start to realize, man, what what is out there? This, this exists. Zach clearly has a, a different movie out there. And then it's the fighting back and forth of, does it exist? What format does it exist in and then of course when zach dropped that massive bomb that was does it is it real does it exist of course it exists and he shows you the film canisters of it <laughs> with the famous uh, 214 which was the the then theatrical cut uh, of whatever you know zach snyder's just league is which is about 330 which of course this movie's four hours which we know he added more 
inform more stuff that he was not necessarily in the original cut of this movie. He took some stuff out that was in the original cut of this movie. I know there's some jokes and stuff like that that he was thrilled to get out of this movie. Um, and of course, he shot stuff in his driveway during COVID to add on to the nightmare sequence, and then to have Bruce with his for further redemption arc with Mar Martian Manhunter um, to um, say that he's proud of him and and all that stuff. Bruce now in the light. Uh, again, after what we went through with BVS, but you know these characters are near and dear to my heart. I, I don't have a BVS poster on my wall just for no reason, right? This is stuff that is a part of me. I love the themes that were introduced in this story. Um, I love the continuation of of this story through Man of Steel, through BVS, through Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's just a culminating moment, and I'm so thrilled to have been uh, somewhat a part of this in some way, shape, or form. And I hope that others, you know, go out and watch this movie. And, and can appreciate it for what it is. Uh, I'm so glad that Zach's got his day in the sun. And, and now that he's off doing some great stuff with rebel moon and army of the dead universe, like I'm very excited for all that stuff. And lastly, you know, uh, I just wanted to mention, of course, this film is shrouded in a tremendous tragedy with, with uh, the loss of, of Zach's daughter, unfortunately to suicide. So if anybody's out there, you know, this there's a world of support out there. If you need it, go search AFSP. Um, if you can, please donate to them. They're a wonderful organization and they go hand in hand with the Snyder Cut movement, um, which, uh, it, you know, feel free to reach out to them. They have resources and all that stuff and a lot of stuff online that can help anybody out if they're in a dark time right now. You're not alone, right? You're not broken. You're not alone, as Cyborg says later in the movie. We're all together in this. We can get through this together. We can all be a Justice League. Um, and that's really what my big takeaway from this movie is that we are not alone. We are we can fight together as one. We can accomplish wonders. They too will join you in the sun. Yeah, <laughs> you make it so hard to follow. Right? <laughs> I don't want to go next. Corey, you go next. <laughs> you know what? I would say I would say from Whedon's version, Alfred making the comment after Batman says that wasn't the plan, and Alfred says, "No, this is the team." That mm -hmm. that the thought that quote popped to my mind when you were talking about all the resources and everything. It's like you know what, people. This is the team. It's together. So I think that's a that's a good segue you put in there. So I'll follow that though, I guess. I'll, no. I'll, I'll <laughs> we, we gotta go. I mean, I gotta we you can't have dead space like this in the airspace in here. So we gotta someone's gotta step up. I'm just I'll go because nobody's gonna remember the second one, right? See, that's how it works. <laughs> Justin, they're gonna go back to the third one and go, what that guy talk about? So hey, I deflect with humor and now is not the time. I don't want to, I don't want to. Um, I'm going to tell you, Snyder is a masterpiece. I think he is a brilliant director, talented beyond all things that you could think of. He is one of the most talented directors, I think for any type of genre like this. And, uh, I, I will tell you this. Snyder is the template that other shows follow without admitting that they do. Um, he has scenes from Batman versus Superman that pop straight Batman's warehouse fight scene with a throat punch down to the ground, straight <laughs> into the Mandalorian season one, Corey episode one, the warehouse I'm, fight scene. I, I got bingo. I'm yeah. telling you what Snyder, <laughs> you know, Snyder, Superman walking, carrying the boat on out of the ice and you got Thor doing fat Thor getting healthy, doing the same thing. So <laughs> it's the exact same shot for shot. Snyder is the template and that's why. Because he sets this up, he builds a story, he builds a a, a universe that we can all jump in, uh, and so I think his trilogy is perfection. I think 
he had a tale, a story is set up, and all the payoffs to go along with it. It, it had, yes, he was distracted by tragedy, um, but it also showed the rallying of a fan base that people love this and need more of this story. And we got it. There's never enough. We will never get enough Snyderverse. You know, as these characters and these real life actors age, you know, it's it's the clock is ticking. We can't all avoid it. Um, but I think just to get a little more taste of it when the flash comes out will be brilliant. I think Snyderverse shows that uh, just the arcs that were cut and the, and the travesty that, that someone else taking over your vision can create is because Steppenwolf gets an arc cyborg flash pivotal to the story. Um, Alfred gets more screen time. And then just the way he drops into, hey, we could have some several spinoff movies in this same universe with Deathstroke and Ryan Choi and Lex and the villain squad that he wants to make. And the fact that we'll never, ever get a resolution to Batman and the Joker in the nightmare scene is crushing. I would love to have seen that final fight happen. And then time gets rewritten. And <laughs> okay, Batman, you yeah. don't have to. Because I bet, oh my gosh, how I never got Ben Affleck to finish that line. So- well, that, I think that this threat is a, that he gives Joker. Yes, because I need that threat fulfilled. Yeah, I, need I need to see you, what dark you got that right. Because Bat, he even makes a comment: "How many dead eyes can you look into, Batman, before you become dead inside yourself?" And it's like, okay, he's I've there. Been dead he's there a long time. Exactly. <laughs> and I would love to have seen how that wrapped up, but that's a different timeline. That's not ours. And so uh, I, I think it's just great. I think it's a fan base thing. We all love it. I think this also. Uh, is a great point to say, yes, this shows the power a director has and the power a soundtrack and the people that we don't see on the film whose names and positions, the power that they hold in moving the film forward, how much power they have to make a break a movie. It's not just he wasn't the right casted part for that that role. It's the director and all of these people that make those small decisions, which is why I think my way of watching it side by side, shot by shot, pausing one side and the other and, and watching them go um, needs to be a college class at a college class. And Craig, as soon as you get it going, I'm telling you what, there's going to be papers, scientific papers <laughs> written about this, Craig, I will be in the front row, front row, the student. And I will, I will pass that class with an A. So just waiting for you to do it, Craig. Okay. <laughs> Justin, def deflect with humor. <laughs> no, I got I got serious things to say, Craig. Okay. I can be serious sometimes. Um, so kind of just to go around what Corey said right there at the beginning, like this is a testament to the differences between directors. Um, I, I I don't think in in my mind for a good chunk of my life I didn't notice the differences and I didn't care about the differences and I didn't think there were differences in directors. Um, but now I'm older and I know better, but, uh, seeing the same movie made twice with two separate directors is very interesting. And just the massive difference in theme and tone and storytelling and, uh, just character development. I mean, by default, you double the runtime of the movie, you're going to get more character development, but he he didn't make it feel like a four hour movie. Like you're entertained the entire time until those lamentations start. <laughs> <laughs> seventeen times. Yeah. yeah, seventeen times. Um, but no, as as much as I I feel like I was critical of it here, uh, I 
I do really, really like this movie. And Corey, I think I'm, I'm going to have to watch these side by side. Because right before the Snyder Cut came out, uh, I I watched the the theatrical version. And I hadn't seen it in a while. And, and in watching it, I'm like, okay, this isn't as bad as I remember. But then after watching the Snyder Cut, I'm just like, oh, no, no, no. It was bad. It was it was pretty bad. And I'm happy the Snyder Cut exists because it restores my faith in the DCEU, and I know many of you on this podcast disagree with me, but there are just there's just a lot of DCEU movies that I, I don't really enjoy, and I'll watch them, but um, I will still get my hopes up every single time, and I will still see them, <laughs> and I just hope I'm less disappointed, like I was with the Snyder Cut. I was so much go. less disappointed. If you Uncle if you do the side-by-side, Justin, I think uh, the first 10 minutes, and then just pick two or three scenes, because... Otherwise, you'll be like I was. I'll, you'll run out of time. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. My wife had to put the kids to bed. I'm like, yeah, I'm busy. I'm busy. You know, it's just too much. So you just got to oh, pick the first ten minutes. The first ten minutes, and then you got to pick three or four scenes that you're like, I just want to see how the difference in those. Yeah, you know, because you otherwise, just, you got to put everybody on noise canceling headphones. Tell her you have to go to the bathroom, and then you're in there for four hours. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's that works. I don't know. That's weird. Uh, oh. So. Honestly, All right, Craig. Oh. Here's okay. So I don't have a whole lot to add. Just the fact that I'm, I still can't believe we have this movie. Like just watching this time, I, I just can't believe that it exists. Like all of the things that had to come together for this to work. I mentioned it before with COVID and the fact that you know he was able to come. The fact that he g- gave him money to come back and do this, just it's unbelievable. And then you've know, heard stories they've regretted doing that too. But this it this exists. Makes me like believe in democracy more than yeah. voting. Yeah, <laughs> no yeah, doubt. For, honestly, it, yes. Right. I feel like I have more of a voice because of this movie. Yeah, and he still trends every day on Twitter. I, I, every yeah, day, all he the does. Time. So, the last thing I want to do is something I hopefully kind of fun because we've alluded to it many, many times. If there's anything that you could have kept from the Justice League and put it into this one, and I have one, just just one thing. If you could just pick one thing and put it, it back into Snyder Cut, what would you do? What would you keep, Justin? I miss Superman's CGI face. <laughs> oh no, you don't. He, I miss it so much. And his no. hands are CG too. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's where terrible. are we if we don't have a fake Henry Cavill? <laughs> Stop! Goodness gracious! Like, who are we as people? Well, really? At least Mission Impossible Fallout was amazing, so it's kind of that's worth true. it because that true. film is so great. Can we get the arm cannons loading again? Oh, like we'll have to do that Mission Impossible. Point. So, <laughs> oh, but my, my um, real answer is. Um, I really miss the nightmare sweet sequence from Whedon's version. I I really liked that quite a bit. Because hmm. we didn't get that in uh, Snyder's. What specific? You all have no, faces that I. Yeah, I think it's the other. Was way it around. not in there? The the one where he, uh, the uh, parademons attack his little encampment. Right. Oh, that's that's in right. BBS. That's BBS. <laughs> oh. Hey Craig, just cut that out. I <laughs> no, that's staying in. It's in there. Oh, staying no. in there. <laughs> I was waiting the whole movie. I'm like, when are they gonna show that? That's you that know is. what that is. That is part of the struggle of this is that you get confused between the two because they fit together so well. They fit too well. That's totally fine. Uh, I just want to say that if Craig doesn't cut that out, um, deep fake voice technology has come a long way, and I didn't actually. <laughs> <see> it. <laughs> oh, it's definitely staying in now. Corey, right. go. 
I got mine. We'll come, back, uh, we'll come back to Justin. The one scene from the Justice League that I would put in there is Aquaman's rambling when he's touching the <laughs> truth lasso. I know somebody was going to say that. I, I absolutely love that. I think it, it gave us a side of Jason Momoa, I think, <clears throat> you know, where he's talking and fit his character so well. And it <clears throat> it also called to the point of why he says to Barry, you're tripping over your feet. Because in Snyderverse, uh, they show Barry take out Aquaman when he's fighting Pet Cemetery Superman. He runs into Aquaman and they crash into the steps and Aquaman so points sorry. at him. Yeah, That did not happen in the Justice League. So that tripping over your feet comment didn't fit. And, uh, and so I think that whole scene and then uh, just how he says to Barry, if you tell anybody I'm going to – Every piranha, you'll meet every piranha I know, <laughs> is great. And they even pay that off a little bit, you know, and then kind of in a little bit more inappropriate way with, uh, you know, they they pay off him talking to fish and stuff and in yeah. uh, Peacemaker. And then, but it, <laughs> but it also calls back to when Bruce Wayne said to him, I hear you talk to fish. So, which is also not in the, <clears throat> which is in the Justice League. So, yeah. Anthony, did you have something that you would put? Back Honestly, in. I'll I'll be honest with you. I got nothing I want to add to this movie from that. Um, <laughs> if to quote Zach, um, he he said if he was if he had the choice of either adding something from that version or burning the Snyder cut to never be seen again, he would burn the Snyder cut. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! I did not know he said that. So the thing that I if I can cheat a little bit, I want Zach to have the real Snyder cut because there's a Snyder cut to the Snyder cut. For those that oh, no. aren't aware, which is actually he's filmed a Green Lantern scene yeah. in his driveway with Wayne T. Carr. Um, instead of having the Martian Manhunter come down to Bruce at the end, it's actually the Green Lantern that comes down and warns about Darkseid's arrival or impending arrival. Um, mm-hmm. So I would have that reinstated back into the movie. I mean, yeah. if you guys haven't seen the picture. It's this guy right here. Yep. <sighs> Oh, this oh, is an audio cool. podcast. That, oh, that I know. I, man. It doesn't work, it's, but just imagine it, people. It's readily available. It's there. Yeah, just search Wayne T. Carr. He he's active on Twitter. He'll tell you all the, all about it. Yeah. Well, for me, the one thing, and because it was one of my favorite parts of the movie period, was the when they go uh, in underground under the uh, under the harbor and they rescue the scientist. And Barry has the line where he tells he tells Bruce, you know, I've never actually done combat. I just push people and run away. And then Batman's advice is just save one yeah and then save another but like just to slow him down in that i just thought that was just a great moment of leadership and like that just felt authentic i really liked that teaching moment you know kind of going back to what we talked about last week um with the mentor figure i thought that was just really kind of a cool section and i missed that and clearly it's not wasn't zach so it didn't belong but that was one thing i was like oh i wish that would have been one of the things so that was good that's that's the lesson from the movie is that hero building right there. So uh, before we let Anthony go, which we need to get him out of here because he's been with <laughs> Gosh us for dang. a long time. We could be here. We got three more hours of oh, content right. we could talk about, Anthony. <laughs> that's right. Let's we take got, a break and come I'm back game. two and a half more. Um, Anthony, why don't you uh, tell us what's going on with, with your podcast? Yeah. So thanks, Craig, uh, for having me on here and to talk about this incredible movie. Actually, I think this is how we became friends a year ago is that we we talked about this movie at, uh, yeah. at Star Wars Celebration. Um, so it's really a full circle uh, th- throughout all of this. Um, but yeah, so in my other time, I host uh, a podcast called Force Coast Conversations. It's a cozy deep dive podcast into all things Star Wars, but we also branch out into other things, Lucasfilm, so Willow, Indiana Jones, and we're currently on an Indiana Jones uh, trek right now going through 
all the films in anticipation of Dial of Destiny, which comes out at the end of June. So feel free to, if you're into that and, and you want to learn more about what we do as a podcast, just hit us up on uh, all the podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it. If, if it's a podcast site, we're probably on there. So just search Forest Ghost Conversations and you'll find us there. You can also follow us on all the social media channels, too, if you want to continue the conversation. I'd be thrilled to chat more Snyderverse stuff with everybody, um, as well as Star Wars and other Lucasfilm things. So just Forest Ghost Pod on Twitter um, and Hive, and then just search Forest Ghost Conversations on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Um, and you'll find us in one way, shape or form. Perfect. And we'll have some links for that in the show notes as well. Uh, so before we get out of here, uh, we just want to say thank you everybody for listening to the show. Uh, if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook, email us at reading between reels at gmail.com. Use the speak pipe app on our website. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you would support us by writing a review on your favorite podcast catcher. And we have another giveaway uh, where today we're giving away a digital copy of Mission Impossible 4, Ghost Protocol. Ooh. All you had to do to enter was follow us on Instagram and like and comment on that Instagram post. The winner of this digital copy of Mission Impossible 4 is Aaron Harris from Star Wars Reactions. Uh, congratulations, Aaron. We're going to be sending well you Well done, Aaron. Yeah. Welcome to the team. <laughs> and this is the team. Uh, for our next contest, we're, we're doing a series of Mission Impossible movies. This time we're giving away a digital copy of rogue nation mission possible five for this one all mm. you got to do is follow us on facebook this time like and comment on the featured facebook contest announcement post by tuesday june 20th and one last thing before we get out of here our next couple episodes are going to be a series of star wars discussions featuring my ela class which means that anthony is going to be on the next episode as well oh nice i didn't know they were I, recorded so that's awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> surprise <laughs> surprise <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're going to be coming. So we're going to have, uh, we'll have Anthony. We're going to have uh, Brian Young. Aaron Harris is going to be on um, from Star Wars Reactions, like I mentioned. Uh, Ross Holliban's going to be on. Uh, Dennis Keithley. We're going to have, yeah, it's going to be, oh, Jeff McGee's going to be on. So it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. 